Now Lebel to the right hand, puts her down. He's going to dump him hard to the ice. Brady Lebel just loves to fight. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome. My dream of being a professional hockey player became a reality, but it was all taken away from me in a very short period of time. For many years, hockey was my outlet. Hockey was my drug. When I had a stick in my hand, nothing else mattered. I was able to break into the Western Hockey League in 2004, and I even won the Swift Current Broncos Rookie of the Year. During the summer of my rookie year, I experimented with drugs for the first time. After just seven games in my sophomore season, I walked away from the Swift Current Broncos due to personal reasons. Nobody knew I'd been sexually abused at the age of five. I did everything to hide it from everybody, but I just couldn't take it. Drugs and alcohol now took over my life. I did return to the Swift Current Broncos as a 19-year-old, but things were never the same. I was eventually traded to the Kelowna Rockets in my final year of junior where I got to play on a line with the Dallas Stars captain, Jamie Benn, and one of my best friends, the extremely talented Colin Long. It was by far my best season ever, and I even signed with the Tampa Bay Lightning's organization. A dream come true, right? That's when everything went wrong. First it was the cocaine, then came the Oxycontin, and that led me into a 12-year journey into the deepest pits of hell. Within two years, I had now made the switch to heroin, fentanyl, and everything in between, and I was now an intravenous drug user. Multiple suicide attempts and over five trips to the psych ward, I was a shadow of who I once was. By 2014, I was homeless on Hastings in Vancouver, the worst street in North America. By 2015, I was a wanted criminal, making the Crime Stopper headlines more than once. After spending three years in jail, I had completely given up. With nowhere to turn and nowhere to go, I finally started to get honest. I took a chance and made some major changes. This is my story. 911, I overdosed over 10 times. I'm one of the lucky ones. And for that, I will always be grateful. This is for all the men and women we've lost. Matthew Lazinski, Mitch Fadden, this one's for you. My name's Brady Lebel, and I've been to hell and back. This is the road to recovery. What is going on? Welcome. Hockey to Hell and Back, episode number 109. Of course, I'm Brady Lebel, coming at you guys live from beautiful Muskoka, Ontario. I can't even tell you guys how much I love living up here. It's uh, it's really become my home, and I never thought that I would ever live in the province of Ontario, but this community, Gravenhurst, Muskoka, everyone up here, it just feels like I'm at home, and I'm just so grateful to be here. If you're joining us for the first time, welcome. If you're a regular here, welcome back. Thank you for stopping by. I'm excited about this episode. It's really easy when you're sitting here and you have two friends coming on your show, it's a lot, it's a lot better feeling than having to interview somebody that, uh, that you don't know. 
That is Chad Campbell, Hockey to Hell and Back. They're putting the finishing touches on that song in studio. seems like he's in the studio every day. He also is uh, the singer of I Think He Knew in Memory of Daniel Minor. You may have heard it or seen it on my social media or here on this show. He has a ton of music. Make sure you check him out on Spotify. Go check out I Think He Knew. It is my favorite song in the entire world. Uh, And on that topic, uh, as you can see, I'm wearing kind of looks black, but I'm wearing a purple shirt. I'm wearing a purple hat. Uh, this month is Overdose Awareness Month. And on Wednesday, August the 31st, it is over- International Overdose Awareness Day. And I will be in Huntsville, I think at 7 p.m. They're doing, I get emotional, they're doing an event uh, for all the people who have uh, lost their life to overdose up here in Muskoka. And I wouldn't miss it for the world. Uh, we all need to do our part. And I'm sure we're going to talk about that uh, here tonight a little bit. I know Stuart's been reading up a lot about the overdose crisis. I know Graham works, uh, you know, as an interventionist, trauma specialist, works at a rehab. Uh, it's, um, you know, these these two guys are, are well-versed in it and Stuart sees it on the front lines at his job as a firefighter as well. So um, again, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Uh, I was not going to say it, but I I just want to, you know, there's people that watch and listen to this show that mean a lot to me. And some people have been with me uh, since day one. And, you know, today I got to do something really special and I can share it with you because Sam Gagne gave me permission to, and uh, there's going to be pictures and stuff. And so, you know, I reflect back quickly listening to that intro video, not even three years ago, I was in a jail cell and I had no idea where my life was going to go. I had been addicted for over a decade. I had burned every bridge, every relationship, every person in my life. And I had no idea what my life was going to look like. I thought I was going to be stuck like that forever. Uh, Today, Tomorrow, Thursday and Friday, I am running practice for a group of NHL guys, including Sam Gagne, Bo Horvat, Kyle Clifford, and some other guys. And uh, today was the first day. And, you know, I, I'm still like, I'm waiting for, I say it all the time, waiting for Ashton Kutcher to come out and be like, hey, you, you've been punked and you're back in your old life because I don't have the words. But the reason why I share this is to not boast or to be like, hey, you know, way to go for me. I'm sharing because anybody out there watching or listening that feels like you have no hope, well, Take a look at me. I'm no more special than any one of you. I don't have any more strength or any more courage. Uh, Sometimes when you work hard and put your head down and do the right things, special things align. And it was certainly the case today. And I'm just so fortunate for the opportunity. I never thought I'd be on the ice again. I never thought I'd be running a skills practice for some bona fide NHL players just two and a half years after I was out of jail. So uh, just a quick story, Um, one that, of course, I don't know. I don't know how to feel like people are like, are you proud? And I'm still in that, that phase where it's like, I don't know. Do I, I, I'm still not there. And maybe we can talk a little bit about that with, with bones and Stuart as we bring them in, but not before we hear from Regan Bartel and the awesome people over at team issued. Hi there. It's Regan Bartel, the play-by-play voice of the Kelowna Rockets, Brady Leopold's biggest fan team issued is connecting all walks of life. Team Issued does this by recreating that special feeling of being a part of something bigger. A community for all striving towards the same goal. Teamissued.ca. Promo code TOEDRAG15 for 15% off. Thank you, Regan. I'm going to try to be quick here because I've already talked too much in this episode and I didn't want to talk even that much. 
Uh, I'm going to run through this really quick and you guys will get a feel uh, for, for Bones and Big Stew here in a minute. But, um, you know, I'll start with Graham Bonner, former guest of the show. And I reached out to him based on the fact that I knew he was in recovery and I knew he was doing some work in recovery and the fact that he was a hockey player. Uh, before I met him, I looked up to him and I was like, what is this guy doing? What is he about? How has he been able to to achieve what he's achieved in, in recovery and in life? And I reached out to him. He came on the show. And since then, we've become good friends. And we got to play together in a charity tournament for his first time on the ice in 25 years or something like that. It was just remarkable. We can talk about that too, but he's become a great friend, uh, former draft pick of the Montreal Canadiens, fide. I said it again, OHL sniper. We're talking 109 goals in two seasons. And I know that because Stuart will probably mentioned it later. Uh, thanks, Stu. But I mean, this guy was just an unbelievable hockey player, lacrosse player. But guess what? He's e an even better person. So... He's been working in the uh, the addiction field for, for over 20 years, Bones, I think 25, and uh, just an incredible human. We're going to learn a lot tonight, not just about him, but about his expertise in that field, which is just, it has so much value. It always has, but in today's world, maybe even more. Second off, we have Stuart Smith coming up, and Stuart's become like a big brother. I never had oftentimes like a dad. Um, he flew out here and surprised me for his birthday, not my birthday. Uh, that's what he wanted to do, but we can talk about that. He's assistant fire chief in Abbotsford. He is a former Weyburn Red Wing, captain of the Weyburn Red Wings, right, Stu? And uh, alumni of the University of Regina, a great hockey player, again, an even better person. And just recently, well, officially recently, he's been named the chairman of the board of the Puck Support Nonprofit, which if you've watched this show or listened, I mean, it feels like it's taken forever, but we're here. So without further ado, let's bring these guys in. Two people that I truly look up to and admire, Stuart Smith and Graham Bonner. Good What's evening. up, boys? Good evening. How we doing? Fantastic. What's up, boys? Nice hat, Stu. What are you rocking there, pal? Team issue bucket, buddy. I like it. I, I don't have one of those yet, Brady. What's up with that? You don't just got to take care of those mimical boys. Uh, yeah, I'll have to message Jesse. We'll get some team issued stuff out here. <laughs> I, I can probably I can probably arrange that. I can probably arrange that. Thanks for coming on, you guys. Listen, I'll tell you why I asked you guys to come on. And I, I had a really good conversation with Curtis Gabriel and Carson Rogers a couple weeks ago. And uh, it was a little bit of a different dynamic because Carson was struggling. But the, the trifecta of three people I thoroughly enjoyed. And I think it brought just a little bit of a different uh, perspective and you know, a little bit different for people to listen to or watch. And uh, I thought, what better two guys to bring on than, than Big Stu and Bones? Well, it's great to be here. Thanks for the invite. I'm just uh, thrilled to be here on a, a Monday night. I'm hanging out at my, my buddy's house over here, uh, Rory Nolan. So, What's up, uh, Rory? Big shout out to Rory. Hold on. Hold on. There we go. There we go. He loves it, right? It's, it's, it's the Belfast connection here through our uh, parents, grandparents uh, over the uh, Emerald Isles. So we're well represented here. That's incredible. Well, uh, thanks for, for bearing with us over there, Rory. And uh, Stu, you're in your basement there, I can see. And, and I've been in that basement. And I'll tell you, it looks different on camera than it was the first time I walked into there. And Bentley, shout out for Bentley. He, he gets a horn too. Let's go. Tonight's tonight's going to be some serious talk, but we got to have fun too. I mean, let's be honest. If you're not having fun, then why the hell are you doing this, right? Uh, yeah, that's exactly right. I mean, you, you we have to we have to look at the big picture. There's some things that we need to work on and address, but at the end of the day, it's about having fun, creating an environment where people want to have fun. 
um, you know, I've been watching this show. I, I connected. I'm, I'm loving it. Uh, Brady, you've, you've, you've helped me as much as you think I've helped you. But um, one of the things, Bones, that if you're going to get involved with Brady, you're going to have to, you know, when you start, you don't get these. you got to buy them. So it's team issued. It's Zenkai Apparel. It's Smudge the Blades. It's all these type of things. And Allie can attest. To, she's like, oh, what did you purchase now? Oh, what did you get now? So uh, I don't own anything. Or I don't wear anything anymore that isn't, uh, hasn't gone through the show at least once. And puck support is another thing. Well, I can totally relate because I purchased this one here. It's my dry fit shirt. So right back at you, Stu. I know. <laughs> oh, guys, come on now. You guys are busting my balls here. Um, no, but it's, you know, let's talk about your jersey first, Stu. Let's, let's, uh, let's talk about that real quick. Just show people the jersey you got on right now. It's a Donald, Donnie, Donnie's Warriors. You can talk about yeah. it if you want, Stu. Um, uh, I'm repping uh, Ryan Donaldson's jersey from the um, – charity events that the the family ran um after ryan after we lost ryan and um had the privilege of getting to know uh, uh the donaldson family and uh doug and dana uh before they just moved away from abbotsford but we've connected and we're um we're family i got to wear the jersey out uh for the outdoor uh hockey tournament and it was it was an honor to put that on and uh, when Doug was packing up the house, he found a few jerseys and he uh, you know, sent them over to me. So it's just about, you know, remembering our angels. And, and uh, they every year they did up a different jersey. And um, this one's got Ryan's picture on it and uh, Donnie's Warriors. So shout out to the Donaldson family and all that they've done in in their own recovery after the loss of a, a brother and a, and a son and um, what they've done in, in helping other people maybe maybe just that one hockey game or maybe just that one comment or just seeing something um, that helped them to get through a difficult time that they were going through with the, as a family. Yeah, and, and former Kelowna Rocket Ryan Donaldson is who we're talking about if you're just hopping in or if you didn't didn't catch maybe where he was from or where he played. Um, and like you, Stu, I've been able to connect with Doug and Dana, and they've actually been on the show uh, probably just over a year ago now. They came on uh, – came on the show and they shared Ryan's story, their story, uh, and have done a lot of courageous work surrounding uh, Ryan in memory, uh, commemorating him and also um, just sharing his story so openly. And they've offered to, you know, be a big part of puck support moving forward as well. And, 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 at times, you know, they're ready. If you need us to help or you want us to share Ryan's story, we're all in. And quickly, it's it's cool because I guess um, the NA, the Vancouver Canucks did a hockey talks. Um, I think maybe they do every year, but one year they did it. And I guess Doug was down in the dressing room with the Canucks and he sent me a picture picture of him and Sam Gagne holding the, the hockey talk sign the other day. So that was kind of cool. And um, there's just, there's so much, right? Like we, I think we all... Uh, the three of us collectively have struggled at at different times in our life and and in different forms, right, Bones? Most definitely. Um, you know, th th that's great. Uh, it, it touched my heart there, uh, Stu, with, uh, with with representing the family and that, and, and keeping this the spirit alive. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we're all on on the same page. I mean, obviously, I, I've gone through my struggles, and today I'm very very blessed. Um, um, to be working in, in the field of addictions and mental health for an awful long time. So um, coming together tonight is, is an honor for myself. So, so thank you once again for the invite. Um, and let's, let's get the discussion going. I'm, I'm, I'm pumped. Yeah, I think, you know, I think maybe I, I, 
honest, to be honest with you guys and everybody watching and listening, I don't ever really have much of a plan, especially when it comes to podcasts. You just can't really, you, you can't script these things. But I kind of, if you guys don't mind, I kind of would love to hear maybe a little bit about your thoughts on the overdose crisis. It is Overdose Awareness Month. Stuart, you're a firefighter. You're now a fire chief, so you're not maybe as on in the front lines, but you're relatively new to that position. So you got to see it firsthand. And Bones, I'm, I'm sure you see and hear a lot of it through through your work. So if anybody wants to hop in and, uh, you know, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't think there's one answer, but I think it starts by us talking about it. Yeah, go ahead, Stu. I'll, I'll, yeah, I'll jump in. 100%. It's, it's about opening up the conversation. We have to... We have to be talking about this. We have to bring it out into the daylight. We can't have it underneath the overpasses. We can't have it in a tent down on Hastings. It has to be out. It has to be in the open. It has to be a collective approach. Um, you can't just say, oh, it's their problem or it's it's somebody else's problem. It's another city. It's another province. It's, it's all of us. It's everywhere. Um, and I know that in our community, uh, we, we were hit hard. Uh, in the lower mainland between Vancouver, Surrey, and Abbotsford, uh, um, not not something you want to be, but we were leading the way in in overdoses and the and the people the number of people that we lost. And for me personally, what I needed to do is I needed I needed to educate myself some more um, because I was passing judgment on people. I'm looking at these people that are out on the street, and I'm looking at these people going you know, smarten up, you need to be better. Oh, you're taking up our time. You're taking up our resources. And I, I caught myself one time when I went into a call and I'm looking at this person and I'm judging them and they're dead on the ground. They're, they're dead. And I have Narcan and I can put that into this person and I can save that person. I stopped myself and I said, stop judging these people stop they don't they've judged themselves a thousand times worse than we could ever judge them they've already done i did that for myself and my own recovery from from trauma fortunately i it wasn't it didn't become an addiction but it did control my life i've judged myself a thousand times over and anybody that's living on the streets they've judged themselves a thousand times worse than you ever could so it took me being in that environment to say I'm going to take everything out of here. I'm going to take where they're laying. I'm going to take the overpass out of the picture. I'm going to take the, the shopping cart that's over there. And I'm going to take this Narcan and I'm going to put it into this person. And maybe this is the time that I help them or that they get the help that they need. You have to leave the door open for them. They need to go and get the help. But maybe this is the one time. And if it doesn't work out, then I'll be there again the next time. And that is my role and what I've tried to, to convey to other people that are emergency services and out on the front lines is take the judgment out of it. Just go do your job, help that person. And let's yeah. see what we can do. I, I, I think the judgment, uh, I mean, we've all done it. I mean, I've been working in, in the field for a long time and, and we get uh, clients that come into treatment and there's even times that say, you know, what, what, why aren't they getting it? I mean, here's the opportunity to change your life and, and, and they're, they're resisting change. They're resisting this because the drugs and the alcohol aren't the problem. Um, you reach out to the drugs and the alcohol to deal with all the pain, the shame, the, the loneliness, the sadness, the trauma, whatever it may be. One of the most important things is that I know for my, I can only speak for myself was I was carrying around so much shame after 
I'm at a career-ending injury. I thought that I had let everybody down. Um, never mind myself. I put myself over here. I thought I let my mom down, my dad down, um, my friends down. Um, so I carried around a lot of shame. <clears throat> and so you start to judge yourself. So if you're seeing somebody that's sitting there suffering, um, can you imagine if you're judging them? We judge ourselves a whole lot worse than somebody else is, especially with drugs and alcohol. So one of the biggest things, um, I mean, I, I'm sure we all, I know Brady, you get phone calls. My phone blows up all the time. I have to turn my phone off because it's people looking for help, looking for help for their daughters, their sons, their parents, um, whatever it may be. But the, but the biggest thing is no one cares about it until it affects somebody in their family. Um, it's like mental health, um, you know, you don't care about it until it affects somebody. And that's where the judgment comes in. What we have to be available, I mean, I'm a father and a grandfather. Um, I want to be available for the people that love me because I know what it was like. I was ashamed to reach out and ask for help. Um, being available for when someone's going through something and saying, hey, I need help. Anyone who's gone through addiction knows that picking up that phone or asking for help is a very, very shameful thing. And, and there's a common theme here. I mean, shame and judgment. I mean, this is all coming for, from events, experiences, people, things that happen to, to, to people along the way. Um, so just being available and not judging, but just saying, hey, and, and learning a little bit more about it. Jump in, guys, because I, I could just go on about this all yeah, the time. Yeah, and please do. Like, you guys talk as much as you want. I'm enjoying listening like I'm watching the show, listening to you two. Um, <laughs> Now, listen, this always happens to me. I forget what I'm going to talk. I forget what I'm going to say. Well, it has to do with my night. I'm great. writing stuff down as we go along, Brady. So don't worry about that. <laughs> I think like just carrying on to, to what Bones is saying there uh, in regards to uh, shame. I carried a lot of shame uh, with, with my trauma and being sexually assaulted at 13 years of age. And thinking, oh, it's not affecting me. Oh, I'll just get over it. But, you know, when I look back, it did affect me. And I'm not... I'm not here to make excuses for my behavior, but hopefully people will understand some of the behavior that they saw as a result, because my shame became anger and then became alcohol. And it wasn't alcohol all the time. I had lots of years of clarity and I had lots of, of people, family that supported me, great family. Um, I have three older siblings that, that I look up to and a younger brother that him and I were partners in crime at time and stuff like that. Uh, but I probably wasn't always nice to probably mostly him. His name's Graham as well. But anyway, um, I, you know, like I had a lot of people along the way and, and there was times when I went through it and I'm thinking, okay, I'm doing okay. And I was starting to pass judgment on other people. And I'm like, well, get over it. You know, I dealt, I dealt with it. So you should just be able to deal with it. But each of our trauma each of our addiction is, is specific to us, it, you know, whether it was one time or it was a hundred times, whether it was, you know, one year or 10 years, we've each gone through our journey on our own pace and our own reasons. And for one person to look at another person in our recovery, our own recovery, um, I hope that people in recovery are passing judgment on others. Like, you know, just because you've battled it and you've overcome it doesn't mean that another person isn't going to struggle for a long time. So, you know, lifting those people up using, you know, Graham and, you know, what are you, 25 years in the addictions field and stuff like that, winning awards and things like that, 26 years. Yeah. 
Like it's, you know, things like that. Like that's what we need to be doing. That's what we need more of. Um, and, you know, if somebody is struggling, don't look at them and say, well, I got over it. So just get over it. That is, we're not doing that anymore. There's no more man up. There's no more get over it. It's let's, let's get through this together. And that's well, what it's going to take. <clears throat> well, I, that the foundation of somebody getting better, they have to feel safe enough, empowered and connected to something at, um, in order for somebody to, to get where they're going, because so much of, of stuff is just feelings. Okay. I mean, as men, we're allowed to be angry. We're allowed, we're allowed to lose, lose our, our head, whatever it may be, because we don't talk about the guilt and the shame. Like a lot of people don't know the difference between guilt and the shame. Like guilt is the act, shame is the feeling. So guilt is I stole from my mother's purse, shame is I'm a bad person for doing it. Guilt can be a healthy reminder not to do it again. However, shame is you internalize it and you believe that you're a bad person and you carry that around. Um, the opposite of carrying a blanket around you that keep, keeps you warm and safe it's it's a, a ugly feeling, and you you think you deserve nothing, and you might as well keep doing what you're doing, and it, it, it's from the traumas. It's from not feeling safe enough, not feeling empowered and connected, and and being able to reach out to someone and say, hey, listen, I'm struggling. Everybody, a lot of people are struggling over the last two and a half years. I mean, especially. Um, in order for, for Graham to, to remain safe and go to work every day, I have to speak to somebody. I mean, I'm sitting beside someone who, who's um, I'm very fortunate. He was my student, you know, 17 years ago. Now we work together and he's my boss. But I mean, we connect with one another because we deal with some heavy stuff on, on, on every day. Everybody needs someone to, to lean on, to communicate, to talk with. Um, feelings are so important. Um, and that's the connection that people need. So if somebody comes knocking at the door, if, if you're not available to give them what you need, maybe open the door and refer them to someone else or at least help them. Um, the, the, the judgment, we don't have time for people. Again, it goes back to we don't care unless it happens to someone who we love. That, that brings back to what I was actually going to say earlier when I forgot is about not being proactive enough on these topics, on mental health, on addiction, on, on a lot of things. But uh, it's the same conversation I have with a lot of loved ones who have lost somebody they, sorry, talking to people who have lost a loved one. And it, they're always seemingly left to wonder if they could have done more. Should we have talked about it more? Um, not in all cases, but in many cases. And that's another part where there's guilt and shame from a parent's perspective having a son or daughter who's addicted to drugs or going through something uh, and for me bones and maybe I'm correct me if I'm wrong but I think by doing that it just limits the the supports around that person like if you close it out and try to be like no we're not going to tell anybody that leaves that leaves the doors wide open for that person in addiction to start taking advantage of you know other people if they're not knowing that that person's addicted in the first place I did it myself right nobody really knew my dad knew but he wasn't like calling and telling everybody else so my dad's not stopping me but then i'm going to go hit up these other people until you know for money or for whatever it was and i feel like i don't know if it would have helped right away but i just think that at, at some point in time we have to like let people in and it's okay if you have if you're struggling or if you have a loved one that's struggling because this is a lot more common then people even realize you hear stats and you're like, oh yeah, it's a stat, but start having these conversations with people. 
and, and see how close to home it really is. It's, 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 I don't even have the words. Everywhere I go, I've yet to say, meet one person who can't tell me someone they, they love and care about who's currently struggling with mental illness, mental health, or substance abuse. I, I think it has become a common theme because it, it's hitting a lot of, of people now, but I think it's people that are looking for direction. And, and those are a lot of the phone calls uh, and people reaching out that, uh, you know, that they'll say, Graham or Bones, you know, my daughter's struggling, my, my son's struggling, what should I do? Um, now, I mean, people are looking for, for information. Families are overwhelmed. Uh, mothers are crying. Um, it's, um, it's something where, yeah, we, we do have to come together with it, um, but it, it shouldn't be so shame ridden. I mean, it, it's keeping up with the Jones and making sure that Johnny and Jill are successful and are going off on their scholarships and doing different things. Um, unfortunately, there's a lot of people that are in school playing hockey, whether it's in gymnastics, that are suffering alone because they're afraid to, to, to speak about it, which, which is very, very unfortunate because we can white knuckle um, our way through a, you know, a lot of issues like fight through it, you know, be strong, whatever it may be. But um, having a safe enough environment to say, hey, you know what, I'm really struggling today with something because I, you know, I mentioned again, I know when I was struggling, I had so many people that wanted to help me. And this was, you know, 30 years ago. I, I mean, you know, it took me a while to finally get it when I got it. But um, there were people that were there and they didn't know anything, but they were just saying, hey, Bones, you're better than this, you know. Um, but when you're carrying that shame around, um, thinking that you're letting people down, you internalize that stuff and you truly believe that you're not good enough. And when you get that low down, I mean, it, I, Brady, I know it's something that, that you can relate to. Um, when you're living on the street or, or, or being broken and going through, through withdrawal, um, then you just need it just to get through your day. So th this, this takes off in, in a, t a total different animal, however it may be. I mean, I was lucky because I was done, meaning that I didn't want to drink anymore. Uh, I just, I, I, I did not want to drink anymore. Everything else that came with it, I was using that just to get through the day. But to ask somebody for help, um, again, I mean, enough people know, I mean, without my mother, I wouldn't be here today because my mother saved my life. I mean, with the rooms of NACAAA, I mean, I, I suffered from the addiction of more. So, sorry to speak. I mean, I can laugh about it today. Yeah. Um, but I was going to take that from you emotionally, physically, or spiritually. And so you become somebody different. You become a survivor because I had charm. I could hang out with different people. I became, you know, I could hang out in that crowd, that crowd, this crowd, because I was putting this crowd to bed, you know, waking up these guys and then hanging out with, with, with these people. Um, you become a chameleon. You can wear different outfits. You know, you can wear different disguises. And then you become accustomed to the climate of whatever you may be. I mean, I'm very blessed and very fortunate that I'm here today because, you know, uh, and Brady, I, I know you feel the same way. I mean, we're lucky to be alive today, but there's always people that were there to help us. Um, we just have to come together a little bit more. You should never be afraid to ask for help. And like. I, feel, I feel very, very strongly about that. I mean, I've had 10 phone calls today and I'm at work. I mean, I got to shut my phone off at work. I'm working in a treatment center and... Um, I, I've got to turn my phone off. Hey Bones, I gotta I gotta ask you, where do I send uh, my uh, my money? Because this therapy session that you got me in here is just awesome. I I could listen to you talk all day, and just the things that you're saying, I'm just writing stuff down, going yes, yes, yes. Like as far as 
opening the door. Like we need to get these these doors open to people. Ray, you're saying about sharing like not one family member going, you're going to one family member, then the next, then the next, you know, like if we're sharing and we're communicating, we're opening that door between our loved ones and openly talking about this and then leaving that door open for the person to walk through. It took me 41 years to, to come forward with this. I've been with, with Ali since I was 16. I, uh, I was turning 17. She was 15. This is two, three years after that I was sexually assaulted. And I didn't tell her because of the shame and the guilt. And, and I internalized it. And I must be a bad person because that happened and all these things. But I had some amazing people in my life that keep me safe. Hockey kept me safe. Hockey's going through some stuff, some tough stuff right now, and they need to address that. They need to change the culture, and I think we can all do that together. It's going to take all of us, but hockey also saved me. It was being able to go out there. It was friends that I had on the ice. It's it's Hixie and it's Chip and it's and it's Mike McLean and it's um, Pete Anderson. I haven't seen Pete Anderson in 35 years since the last time we took off our jerseys playing for Weyburn. I haven't seen him in 35 years and I connect with him a week ago and we just pick up the conversation like we had seen each other yesterday. There's people in our lives that, is, as you said, Graham, that want to help us, that are there for us. We just need to make, we need to empower the survivors, empower the people that are in the middle of it to, to, to come forward and to say, I need help. And that door being open from family members or friends and stuff like that. And then we need to we need to create an environment where those people that um, are the ones that, that people that are struggling with are coming forward to have the skills and have the knowledge and, and they're not going to drive it further into the ground. Like, Oh, I, you know, so-and-so is used and I don't want to talk to them. Oh, you know, it's, it's not going to make you use, you know, it's not contagious in that manner. You need to be able to, we need to give those people the, the, the skills um, to, to have that conversation, to know where they can can help them get to, to walk them someplace. And if that place can't help them, the next place needs to be able to help them. And, and creating, well, what we're trying to create here in a network, a puck support network, starting in the greatest game that we have. I love hockey and I want to make it better. And I want these kids that are growing up to know that they're supported. And just imagine, just imagine how good our game could be if these kids that are growing up right now knew that they were going to be looked after, that it was okay to not be okay. And, and you know, if they had a bad game, it wasn't the end of the world. They weren't going to be sent back and they, they were going to be supported and they were going to be encouraged. If a Carey Price can be the best goalie in the world, battling some of the stuff that he's going through or went through, just imagine how much better he would be if he had the support and if he had everything around him as he was going through it. Imagine a Kendra Fisher who, you know, love Kendra, got to meet her. What she is doing is just amazing. Still working on things, still trying to, you know, make things for herself and, and, and the environment around her better. But she was at the top of the women's game. And she's she has to leave because of the mental health stuff that she was dealing with. We need to put... We have trainers in the dressing room. We have physiotherapists in the dressing room. We need to have some more people like a Brenly Shapiro and those type of people working with our young people, building them up. Um, and just imagine how good our game can be if we're, if we're putting those things in place. 
Yeah. You, you, yeah, you, you hit some great spots there, um, Stu. I mean, trust is such a big thing, and that's uh, something that, that I deal with and uh, anyone who's worked in the addiction field is, is building rapport and trust with somebody. Now, you mentioned something, and I thought you were a little bit hard on yourself, Stu, saying it took you until you were 41 years old. I mean, we're all a work in progress, and, and things happen at different Bones, times. Bones, it took me until I was 55. It took me 41 years to come okay. to come. <laughs> 41 years, whatever it may be. But I mean, that's all part of your journey. I mean, there's still mm -hmm. stuff that I'm working through. I mean, I made a post not too long ago saying that just because it looks like I've got it together. We all have our struggles every single day. I mean, there's still stuff that I'm working through with the people that I talk to. There's still things that, that I don't feel safe enough to disclose, um, whatever it may be. Trust is, is, is such a big thing. Um, so sometimes we're, I mean, we're a little bit hard on ourselves saying, why did we wait this long to do it? It's not just athletes, it's people every single day. Uh, and it goes back to safety, empowerment and connection. I mean, those are things that people, the biggest thing that somebody wants to do sometimes is just be heard, uh, be present because, um, sometimes when we judge too, we've got an opinion, everyone's got an opinion or judgment, especially the last two and a half years, everyone's a specialist in, in, in everything. But I think one of the beta's greatest gifts that we have is just being present and listening and being present and being in the moment. Um, there's a lot of people just want to be heard, non-judgmental, just sit there and say, you know what, I just want to talk. And that's one of the greatest gifts that we have, you know? So everything, everything happens for a reason. I mean, the goal for me in the morning is to, to get up and be kind and gentle and be the best person that I can be. That's my goal every single day. Now, do I struggle with it? I mean, I got the guy beside me that knows me better than anyone. I mean, there's days that I just come in just snarling, just uh, just taking the piss, whatever it may be. However, that's the goal. I mean, we're all just works in progress. Um, and along the way, we have to feel safe enough to, to talk about our feelings and emotions. Uh, and, and it keeps coming back to feeling safe, to have a conversation whether it's about I'm having a bad day, it's okay. It's okay to have a bad day. It is. And and you guys, you guys are fantastic. I'm just I, I'm just sitting here enjoying listening to both of you guys talk. But I there's a bunch of comments coming in. And I don't usually do this to the end, but I think there's some good ones that kind of fix this. First off, shout out to to Dean Petrick out there in, in Surrey. He's watching this is so important to be talking about all this. He is one of the founders of Pride Tape, which is a sponsor of the show. Thanks, Dean. Great guy. Stuart, you know Dean. Yep. Awesome. Good luck to Andrew. Good luck to Andrew, his son, heading to Everett Silver the Everett Silver Tips camp. Um, Doug and Dana watching. Says, thank you guys for all you do. If we all just do that little bit, we can and will overcome the mental health struggles. Be proud of every little battle we win. And there's the jersey there. Um, I'm going to get to some more uh so if I don't get to yours now, I will get to them later. But there's more pertaining to our conversation. Uh, Matthew Means are down in Yeshua, Argentina. Says, I'm having trouble getting a close friend to get help. I don't want to call someone for him. I can't get him to seek it out on his own. It's gotten very heavy. Finding a rope in the rafters in his house, heavy. So many of us are in his corner and are concerned, but we are not sure what to do about it. I can't lose another friend and a talent talented hockey player to boot wow. yeah yeah that's a tough one that's that, that, that is that's a tough one i think like um matthew i i just i think you need to surround 
that person with as many uh, trusting as Graham says, people that that you trust and that this person can learn to trust. Um, keep that door open to them. Keep the communication going. Uh, check in on them all the time. Those type of things um, that gets them. Eventually, they have to make the choice. It's my understanding. That's the way I see it. They have to make the choice. They have to make the decision to get there. But they need to know that that where they're going, they trust where they're going, and they trust the people that are there. So, uh, praying for you, man. I just hope that you just keep staying in his corner. Don't leave his corner. Um, that's the for me. And Graham can probably elaborate on this a lot better than I can. But just stay in his corner. Just keep staying there for him. Um, one day. Yeah, that's true. I, I don't know if I can do it any better, but I, I can certainly piggyback on, on what you're saying. I mean, obviously, you know, I, I had five phone calls today and a couple of messages and, and I hate to bring that back up, but but I did. And it, it's people that are phoning and saying, you know, they, they need help. I mean, the person needs to want it themselves. However, what we can provide for them in the meantime is a safe place and an open door for when they want to do it. Now, we have to be careful. Um, about whether we're enabling, supporting. I mean, people talk about tough love, tough love. Well, tough love to one person is different than another. I mean, when, when we think about the way a family and stuff works between, you know, um, an enabler, a persecutor, and a victim, the way it usually works in a family, I mean, you want to support someone, um, so you reach out to support them, then you end up enabling them. And then you start to you point your finger at them, saying, I tried to help them, and this is, this is what they did to me. You know, they're no good, whatever it may be. And then they slide into the victim mode. And now they can't sleep. They're living their, their life vicariously through somebody getting better. I think a lot of us that are watching are, are gone through it. I know um, I've certainly gone through it with, with, with friends and probably my parents went, went through it with myself thinking, okay, Graham's going to treatment. He's promised he's going to do it this time. And the, and the sick thing that happens in the family during that time was that the addict becomes the rescuer in the family. And, and that's the real sad thing about it. Like I, it did the drama triangle very quickly, but you think, okay, here's the rescuer, somebody reaching out to help somebody. Then they turn into the enabler. They start paying for them, taking care of their fines, paying their phone bill. Then you develop the resentment, start calling them names, and then you slide into your own sickness. You can't go to work because you're worried about them. Then you get the promises that somebody's going to get better. And, and the addict and the alcoholic becomes the rescuer. I mean, it's really, really sad um, when you think about that, the, the way addiction, um, you know, affects the entire family, you know. So the family has to, to or, or the friends have to get educated on themselves, too. I mean, I mean, they have to have your own healthy boundaries. You have to have your own structure and you have to have your own nurturing. Um, and knowing the difference, I mean, there's so many groups out there, whether it's Al-Anon, al, -Anon, al um, social networks, there's enough information. Keep educating yourself on it. And it's so tough. I get it between being the enabler and the supporter, but being available for that one day. I remember a friend of mine who was in active addiction. He's no longer with us. He got clean and then he found out his son was, was an active opiate user. Um, and he says, my son hasn't talked to me in 10 years. He's an active addiction, but I'm available for that. That one day when he knocks on the door, at least I'm going to be available for my son today. And that's a heck of a gift. Ironically, uh, we, we lost my friend, but he passed sober and his son is sober today much because he was available for that one day. Um, 
that he was available. And it took him a long, long time to get there. But usually we want it right away because that's the way addicts, <laughs> that's the way we want it. I wanted it yesterday, so to speak, right? And that's why often talk, you know, we talk to our clients and they say, well, how long is it going to be before I lose this resentment? Or how, how come I can't forgive this person? When's my son going to come back in my life? When's my daughter going to come back in my life? Well, the longer you stick around, the more gifts are going to come your way. Um, how long did it take you for your relationship to break? 10, 15, 30 years, whatever it may be. You're not going to get them back in a month. They're protecting themselves. But you stick around, you do the work. I know for myself from lived experience, anyone who I love or who would love me that should be in my life is in my life is in my life today because I stuck around and the gifts just keep coming. And all those things that you're worried about go away. Yeah. The, the, the things that you weren't even aware of that are going to come your way are falling and land in your lap. Now that still doesn't mean that you don't have crappy days. Um, I had a crappy, crappy two weeks, you know, maybe you still get up and, and you go to work, but, but that's okay. You lean on people. You say, Hey dude, I'm having a rough day. Let, let's go for dinner. I had a great dinner with, with, with my best buddy tonight. You know, it cheered me up. We cheered each other up. You know, those are the gifts of recovery. And, and being available and getting up in the morning and allowing yourself to live and allowing yourself to have friendships that people care for you. If you have a friend that's saying, oh, it's OK that you're acting this way, that's not your friend. Yeah. You know, they're co-signing your BS. You know, if you have a friend that's challenging you saying, hey, you shouldn't be doing this. Those are the type of friends that I want. But they're still the friends that I want to give a hug to. So when you use the word I love, which I use an awful lot, love shouldn't be just thrown around. It should be a feeling and um, it's something that you hold very, very dearly. And I'm talking way too much, guys, so I apologize. No, you're, you're not talk, By all means, talk. And I'm, I think I'm, I'm mesmerized, Bones. Just going back to another thing for Matthew. Like you said, this, this friend of yours is a hockey player. Keep a stick in his hand and keep the rope out of his hand. Okay, mm. Be there Beautiful. for him. And Matthew – you need to you need to have a support around you as well. Um, you know the the supporters need support as well. You need to be able to have somebody to talk to and to turn to and to to rely on and stuff like that. But I know for me, um, having being out on the ice and being with my teammates, I wasn't always I wasn't always a good person when I was dealing with shame and 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 anger was was coming out. Um, but I was trying to be a good teammate, and I had some teammates um you know some people that stood by me and they didn't even know why they were standing by me um i always tried to be a good per, uh, a good team man i wasn't always a good person um and those people are going to be able to reach you're going to be able to reach out to them to get the support um I, not to I'm, i don't want to be i lost my father a week ago and the next morning i went out uh for a coffee with an old line mate with chip nixon and we had such a great time together and i needed that I needed him, somebody that I trusted and somebody I've been around for a long time um, and I've known for a long time. And he helped me get through that day. Um, I have a lot of people like that. So, Matthew, you need to make sure that you have some people in your life like that that can help you. Keep that door open for that, that guy. And you know what? Get out on the ice with him. If that's all it takes, if that gets you one more day till the day that it can happen, then, then it's a work in progress. And as Bones says, it may take a long time, but one day at a time you get there. So good luck, Matthew. 
Yeah, thinking, sending, sending prayers down to Yeshua for sure. Keep um, up the great work, Matthew. What you're doing down there, man, is is incredible. Yeah. I see your posts and stuff yeah. like that. Absolutely yeah, quick, incredible. Quickly, Matthew's been on the show. He's from Buffalo, New York, but now living in the southernmost part, of South America, and he's uh, he, he he makes hockey sticks down there. He's growing the game of hockey in a place that uh, you know hockey is forgotten about uh honestly it's so far away and they just have absolutely nothing there and everything's so expensive to get there and he found a a a local tree down there that only grows down there and he makes these wooden sticks that has significantly reduced the cost for people to play hockey and he's done a lot of other stuff too they just had darius casparitis down there too so that was cool um i was jealous of darius casparitis i never thought i would say that because he was not my favorite hockey player when i was a kid and now i'm jealous of darius casparitis that was a low hit I was a low hit. <laughs> hey, the reason why I didn't like him is because he didn't play on my team. He was he, he played hard, right? And he'd always cheap shot guys. That's yeah, what that was a low hit. Yeah. That is a low hit. Matthew, That's right. He's not watching this. Play. While he was down there. Um, Alana McCutcheon's watching. Uh, she's also on the board for Puck Support. And she she asked this before you brought it up, Bones, but I wanted to get to it. She says, we need to change the narrative around enabling. Everyone needs to feel loved even when they aren't their best selves. What do you guys think about the enabling contradiction? Oh, we could do another show on that. I know. Yeah, we, we could definitely do another show on that. Listen, um, and, and, and this, is just, this is just where I'm coming from. Um, when I got clean, okay, um, I was told to sit down, shut up, and do as I was told. That's what I needed to hear. Now, I got clean at a different time. Not everybody needs to hear that message, and it worked for some people, doesn't work for another. However, there has to be consequences for your actions. I mean, if you continuously go out and do the same thing over and over and over again, and then someone's paying your phone bill, someone is paying your rent bailing you out of jail all the single time why would you want to change because the sickness brings us to a point where we don't know the disease takes us to a place now it's a very very fine line and it's uh, like we said this could be like like another show so i i don't want to to dominate this but i just know for myself and i can just speak for myself that um if you're honest and true to yourself and go with your gut and know that, okay, am I doing the right thing today because it didn't work last week and something isn't smelling right or feeling right, maybe that's the line where you're at with, with, with when you're enabling, okay? And, and I could get a little bit more complicated, but you usually know if you're enabling or, or supporting, okay? Now, that's just that's just my humble opinion. <laughs> very, very, good, very good point. <laughs> One more comment, uh, quickly. Uh, just again, going kind of going back to what you guys were talking about too is generalizing people in one size fits all is incorrect. We need to stop comparing our issues. And I think that goes for treatment options too, right? Like you just talked about, uh, this form of treatment might not work for you, but it might work for this guy or girl. And you know, thoughts on that. Yeah, most definitely. I, I think to be client centered. I, I mean, what what I what I need might be different from what Brady needs from, from someone down the street. I know what works for me. Um, we're all at different p- parts of our journey, and what we need today might be something that we need different ten years from now. Whether it's harm reduction, whether it's absence based treatment, whether it's natural. Hey, if 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 the shoe fit at everyone, we'd all be walking around in size tens. You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember watching Band of Brothers, uh, what a great series. They said, what size booty? And they said, nine. Everyone's a nine. 
you know, but that's how explosive the, uh, the disposable hero was during World War II. Everybody was the same size shoe, uh, which is very sad because um, if we compare that today, everyone needs something a little bit different. And but it all comes down to whether or not you want it or not. If you're honest with yourself and you're picking the treatment that may suit you or your needs and you're honest with yourself, um, you're going to get better. But if you're choosing a certain treatment because you know that you can still cheat a little bit, then that's where you may get yourself in trouble. So whatever works for you works for you. You're the one that, that, that it comes back down to. But to say that one treatment's the only way to do it, that's unfair. We don't, we don't have a one-size-fits-all in a medical treatment of any type of a disease. You, if somebody develops cancer, they don't go in and it's just automatically everybody gets the same thing. What do you, you know, somebody's diagnosed with cancer and you, then it's a treatment plan. What is the treatment plan? Um, even in the school system, you know, my, my wife works with, with kids and develops individual education plans. It's about recognizing the individual needs and developing a plan that's going to help them, whether it's to beat cancer or to, to grow in a school environment or to overcome an addiction. We cannot, it's not cookie cutter um, and it can't be. We need to have all different types of, of treatment available. And, uh, you know, th that's going to cost money. Um, there's some people doing some incredible research out there that, you know, on all the different uh, ways that we can deal with addiction or deal with concussions or deal with cancer and, and, and the different um, illnesses that we're dealing with. Let's spend the money and let's get it done. It's, uh, you know, and let's develop individual treatment plans and programs for, for everybody. When they come through that door and like you say, Graham, um, somebody, there's going to be the people that just go, oh, I'm just going to do this one because like you say, I can cheat on it or I can get away with it. But that one, that, that person that really, really wants the help uh, and we put a program together for them, um, you know, the sky's the limit for those people. The, the, the recovery is just going to be uh, incredible. So that's, that's what I would like to see is, is, is more of a wide range of everything available uh, to everybody and working with a, with a support team around them. Uh, yeah, it, it, and I, th I think it's important that, uh, that we don't get overloaded with too much information too. I mean, what, you know, sometimes we try something that didn't work and then maybe, maybe we try something else. I think, and again, this is just my humble opinion, um, why not use some of, some of the better technology that we do have now for positive things? Um, because there's so much more in, information. Some people need this, some people need that, some people need that. I can just talk about what worked for me, but I mean, I would be, you know, Muhammad Ali said that if you look at the world the same way at 50 than you did at 20, then you've wasted 30 years of your life. I mean, it's one of the most brilliant things I've ever seen or ever heard. I mean, and that comes with recovery because I mean, we looked at things. We used to, to, to throw people in the same asylums, you know, for being alcoholics back a long time ago. I mean, this locked them up, so to speak. I mean, and that's how has that changed? That's what we think about addicts living on the street now. Throw them in jail. So have we evolved since the 30s and 40s? Maybe in some ways that we have. I know um, one of the biggest things at our treatment center is, I mean, we sit down and get to know the client and we check off, you know, the list of certain things and often we laugh because it says anxiety depression and you ask them the question it's kind of an inside joke of course it's anxiety and depression we're addicts and alcoholics that, that, that's one of the biggest reasons why 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 we drink and use uh, but there's 
you know, ed educate yourself and, and know what you want because each client that comes through, it's very similar. If I speak to a room with a hundred people and say the same thing, there's a good chance that a hundred people in that room will hear a hundred different things, from, even though I've said the same thing. So if you've got a hundred different people in the room and they're looking for, for their own, um, for their own care, they may need a hundred different things. If you understand what I'm saying, one may be guilt, maybe maybe shame, one may be uh, trauma. Most everything comes back to trauma. But the most important thing is, is most people don't know or are unsure what they do need. So it's our job to provide that environment that's saying, hey, okay, let's have a conversation and let's figure this out together. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head there, Bones. Uh, a couple things came up for me, and I'm just going to try to run run through them quick. Being honest with yourself, so important. Like, I I, I've, I heard that from the first times I, I went to rehab and went into the rooms of AA and NA back in the day, and I'm not currently, uh, you know, a, a member of those programs or anything, but I certainly have, have been through it and, and done the steps and, and everything else. But I always heard people, it's like, you got to be honest with your, with yourself, you know, and, you know, another person and, and to a higher power or whatever. But really it comes back. It's like, I, I always knew I was like, yeah, telling people, yeah, I'm being honest. I'm being honest with myself. But in those moments, when I reflect back to all the different times that I tried, I wasn't willing or ready to be honest. And I think yeah. that's really what it came down to. And if you can't be honest with yourself, then you're going to live in that guilt and that shame and, and everything else. And for me, there was never a chance to, to break out of it. Second thing, treatment plan. Uh, you guys were talking about treatment plans. A big thing for me that I noticed is that the support network, let's say I go to rehab. Okay. For example, first time, and this is nothing against my dad or anyone in my family or anything. I go to rehab and Brady's going to rehab. Great. It's on him. Okay. Following rehab, parents aren't involved. Dad's not involved, not really following up, hasn't done anything to, and again, dad, I'm sorry, because this is the, this is very common. And I think this is as people trying to support somebody that's struggling, we also have to take initiative and, and take it upon our recovery because as enablers, you need to, you need to recover as well as somebody who's lived with somebody with, with addiction. There's a recovery process for that person who was supporting them as well. Like it's not just you go to rehab, Oh, everything's better. And everything you did in your addiction is, is gone. Like, it, and people forget about it. There's a, there's a trail of destruction often and there's healing that needs to be done. So I always advise parents or spouses or whoever, don't just send your, don't just send your loved one to, to treatment or a meeting or anything, go to the meetings with them, go, you know, get involved, talk to the treatment centers as much as you can and, and you know, be a part of their recovery. Don't be like, okay, well that's on you. Yes, it is on that person, but there's a greater chance of uh, recovery and or success in recovery. I've, I feel, in my opinion, if you're part of that network, you can hop in in one sec. The other thing I want to talk about is my issue is alcohol. Not my personal issue. It has been at different times. But why as a society do people who are probably watching this show right now or listening, and I'm not pointing anyone out, but I, and I've been there myself. I've been there myself when I drank before I ever did drugs. Well, this is legal. This is so much better than those people doing drugs. Like I'm sitting here drinking, getting drunk, but those drug addicts, they're a problem. My problem is this substance is substance. If you're going to leave, if you're going to have alcohol legal, cannabis legal, you might as well legal cocaine and heroin and everything else too. 
And that may sound crazy to some people, but is it not crazy that alcohol is legal and, and what it does to the human body and how many homes it destroys and lives it destroys and everyone it seemingly just thinks it's okay because we've all been indoctrinated since we were kids that this is part of our culture. But then you look at drugs and it's like, oh, that's on a whole nother level. Is it really? Like, I, I don't know. Is it really? Growing up for me, um, you know, alcohol is is what I use to to get through, to numb, to, to deal with, with the trauma. Um, and you're, you're exactly right, Brady. It's an accepted, um, it's an accepted use in, in community. And it is, uh, you go over to a friend's house, you bring a bottle of wine or a case of beer. It's just, you know, who's now for me. And I, and I, I'll, I'll, I was guilty of it. I look, I'm like, well, I'm okay. I'm just using alcohol. I'm not like those other guys that are using drugs or, you know, smoking dope. And, you know, even in high school we had, there was the different groups. There was the jocks and there was the, 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 the stoners and, and all those type of things that, yeah, it isn't right. And, and it's going back to, you know, again, oh, well, I'm not as bad as that person passing the judgment on to the other person, you know, stop, stop with the judgment. If you're not doing anything, anybody, any help, and, uh, you know, are we going to clean up? I, I guess in Vancouver now they've got the uh, the fentanyl uh, pharmacy. And it's my understanding that it is a booming success, not from a drug trafficking thing. It's about helping these people. Um, and a substance use disorder, whether it's alcohol or, or a drug or a legal drug or an illegal drug, um, it's a substance use disorder and it's happening in, you know, with alcoholism, it's helping with, with drug use, but the, the fentanyl pharmacy in, in Vancouver is helping these people is providing them with a clean, uh, a clean product and they don't want to use it, but they need help in order to use it safely and be able to function in society and not be a burden on society. Nobody wants to be a burden on society. They don't want to live under that underpass. Um, but yeah, removing, and I guess it comes to removing that stigma around it, Brady. It's, you know, like we, you know, what we're trying to do here with puck support, removing that stigma um, that, you know, and, and that comparison, oh, well, yeah, he, oh, he does that, oh, he's that. No, it's stop. It, 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 the substance use, the the whatever they're using, it's affecting society huge. The 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 drunk driving uh, that's wiping out families, um, you know those type of things that are going on and have been going on for years and years and years. But people just turn, you know, oh no, it's an illegal drug and stuff like. I don't know. It's just it's it's a big big thing to tackle, um, but talking about it and raising those issues and and asking those questions. Hopefully, sometime we get to a point where um, we're 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 not passing judgment on those people. We're just helping people. I mean, it, it's all, all great topics, guys. I mean, and, and there's so many different ways. I mean, I could just start talking for an hour, and then and, and then the show would be over. However, um, anything where your life is unmanageable is uh, is a problem. However, you look at it, okay. And you know, I, I could say in an in NA we say alcohol is a drug period. A drug is a drug is a drug. Anything that is being destructive to your family or anything that you feel that you have to defend if somebody's saying something to you, maybe that's, maybe that's an issue. I know one of the biggest questions that, that I've gotten from working in the years, geez, it must be tougher working with, with addicts and as alcoholics. And I say no. And the guy beside me is probably smiling because he knows. The difference is, is because what we were talking about 
I mean, since I, it's not as bad now, but when we were growing up, the, the first thing you would see was, you know, Spuds, McKenzie, and, you know, the Budweiser commercials and all this stuff, everybody having fun drinking beer and whatever it may be. Hockey Night in Canada was sponsored by Molson's and whatever. Hey, if you want to have a beer, that's okay. I've got lots of friends that, that have beers, okay? There's nothing wrong with that. Um, and, and you have friends that maybe that can use drugs recreational. I'm not that person. However, I do know, and this may be a newsflash for a lot of people, that treating for me, um, because of alcohol being socially accepted, that a lot of our alcoholics um, think that they can outthink the, the disease. And I truly believe that alcoholism and drug addiction is a disease. And we have to remind them that your best thinking got you here to begin with. <laughs> no offense. It'll probably offend a lot of people, but you know, all your stick handling and lying and cheating and stealing and your life becoming unmanageable and wanting to control and being angry because you haven't dealt with your feelings is why you drink to begin with. You come home one day, you're happy. The next day you go home and yell at your kids, however it may be. Um, now we're finding that um, with, 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 with some clients that are coming in from cannabis use, if, if you're a daily user, that when you come into treatment and you have to stay away from smoking, they can't handle it after six or seven days because you're used to smoking cannabis every single day. And that's, that's not judgment or anything else. Some people can, can smoke a joint. Some people can have a beer. I'm not that guy, but there's just so many moving parts that are going on um, with drug addiction. So I just go back to you choose how your life, how you want to live. But if your life is unmanageable and you can't get through the day without using or drinking, or if you're coming home and your and your friends aren't happy with you or, or you're, people around you are saying that there's an issue, maybe maybe it's time to, to, to listen to them, so to speak. But I always go back and I repeat it, life being unmanageable. Are you, Joe Walsh, who's one of my favorite of all time, and he just, he summed it up, Sammy Hagar was, um, and I don't want to misquote Joe Walsh because he's such a beautiful person, but he said in the end, he was working for the drug. He was working for the alcohol. It wasn't working for him anymore, so to speak. So that's what happened to him. And let that sink in for a little bit. You might get it in a week or maybe later on. But everything revolved around the drug and the alcohol. I can attest that, you know, I can just speak on my experience. You talk about a full-time job be addicted to opiates. That's a 365, 24 seven, never stop. And if you don't have it, it's like you're in survival mode and your body is just screaming for it, like more than you need food and water. Like yeah, people that haven't experienced, you, you just possibly, you can't even ex explain the misery and the, the power that that stuff can, can really have on one's life. And again, I speak on my experience on it, but it's, I know great points. You guys both make great points on that, and I think we got Just we going got back, we, going back hold to on, the hold on one sec, Stu. We got a special visitor. Don't lose your train of thought. I think Bones may know this. This Liam Edwards says, "Hey, Bones, very good job so far from one of the best street hockey goalies in Mimico, Sunshine." Yeah, he's a Sunshine twin. He's a great story. He, he survived. Uh, good old Liam survived a car crash, um, was in the hospital for months at a time, hasn't had a drink of alcohol in over two years. And I gave him that nickname with his tw twin brother, the Sunshine Brothers, uh, years ago. 
And uh, actually, his brother was at our, our charity event, the hockey game that day. Remember how sore I was? His brother carried my bag out that day. And he wasn't I remember. I and remember. He, and he wasn't even a rookie, and he carried it out. <laughs> good man. A good man. Hello Thanks, to Liam. Thanks, Liam. What were you saying there, Big Stu? Well, Bones was talking about Molson's. They're just talking about, you know, maybe on a lighter subject or whatever, but talking about Molson's Brewery, being involved with Hockey Night in Canada. Uh, Molson Breweries was involved with SJHL hockey, and I was sponsored by Molson Breweries in my last year junior. They had my jersey, and they they at the start of the year, they had like a silent auction to get a jersey, and uh, I had Molson Breweries on the back of mine, and I think they wanted that because they knew I was going to be both on the player's bench and in the penalty box, that they were going to have advertising on both sides of the rink. Um, so they probably uh, they thought, yeah, let's get Stu's jersey and uh, just because uh, we're going to get that much more advertising, more bang for the buck. But it just be it wasn't an acceptable thing. Alcohol was there and it was, you know, it was available and it was. Uh, normalized and and fortunately for me um, drugs were not around or that I saw them around and it just wasn't something that that I ever ended up going down that path and I'm fortunate that that I didn't because I don't know uh, what that ends up for me what that ends up looking like but um, I was saying to to Brady earlier uh, Bones that uh, we're on episode 109, which is, I think, how many goals you had in two years in the OHL. And that would have been a good weekend in a home-and-home home series for me for penalty minutes against Esteban. Um, it would have been about 109 penalty minutes in two games. Well, that's that's okay. If you came after me, I had a couple of guys that were riding on the left the left side, so that that wasn't a problem, Stu. Yeah, you were you you yeah you had a lot of ice out there, didn't you? Yeah. Look at that. yeah okay. I, I, I mean, hockey was a little bit different back then. I mean, I was six three, about two fifteen, and um, I mean, we all fought back then. But I mean, there was about five or six guys, gunslingers that were, you know, starting off with Bob Probert and Britt Peer and Chris Brandt and Jeff Bukaboom and Ken Sabrin, and the list just goes on and on and on. I mean, not that we're promoting hockey fighting or anything, because we don't. No, wanna... it, <laughs> you're right. It was, it was a different game, and I yeah. think the game today, the game today is in real like. The players, you see, well, you see the kid pull off the Michigan in the World Junior Champion. You know, you, you see the level that all these kids are at. You see where the female game is. The women's game is incredible right now. I've been watching it. They're, those, they're lighting it up. And, and I think if we support them, and when we talk about investing in people, that's going to cost money. And whether it be at the minor hockey level and the parents providing it or they, they raise up and they come to a club uh, level, that club needs to invest in these people. And, and you know, you're going to look at what's going on with uh, diversity inclusion in in um, in the hockey world, what Pride Tape is doing and how they're getting out there in that event that they just hosted or they just held in, in Edmonton. You know, incredible stuff that's going on. Our game is good. But it can be so much better. And if we're just continuing to support these people, empower the women to raise their game to the next level, giving them the, the resources that they can get to, to the next level, uh, hiring uh, people in organizations in upper management from uh, you know diverse backgrounds and cultures and all that type of stuff, it's going to grow the game. The NHL has been trying to grow the game worldwide for years and years and years by, you know, 
doing, you know, getting involved in the Olympics and stuff like that. No. The way that we grow the game is we get people out on the ice that looks like them. You know, in the fire service, we need to be better at, at in, in hiring women and, and promoting a, a diverse culture because we just get better by doing that. And I don't think we're doing enough a good enough job. I heard somebody say that exact thing. I don't see myself on that fire truck, so I don't want to get involved. They don't see a person of color or they don't see a, a woman on that fire truck, so they don't see themselves in those places. We need to do that provide those opportunities for those people. And like I say, I've, I've got so much to be grateful uh, from the game of hockey. Like it's taught me so much that I use today and sports does that, right? It, sports is about teaching life skills. It's not about, it's not about goals. It's not about wins and losses. If hockey and sports was just about goals, then bones, you'd be in the hockey hall of fame, right? Because, but that's not what it's about. What is it about? It's all those skills that you used, learned, and you're using today for the next 26 years. That's your Hall of Fame. That's your Stanley Cup in what you're doing and reaching out to those people. So focus on what's important. It's not the wins and the losses. It's what are we teaching our kids? What are we providing them in the opportunity? Um, you know, like it's, it, sports does that. Um, there's lots of things. It doesn't just have to be hockey. It can be the, you know, the lessons you learn, baseball, basketball, any of those activities. Um, I, I, I couldn't agree more, Stu. And I, I think the messages were were all, always there. Um, and, and I can only speak for myself. I mean, I was blessed to, to you know, in minor hockey, I played for a gentleman named Pat Flannery, and he was a school teacher. Then when I played with the Sioux Greyhounds with, with Terry Crisp, and Crispy had always said, we're not developing just hockey players. We're developing fine young men. And that was um encouraged and put out i mean when we went on on, on road trips i mean we were, we were in suits but we're also given um you know a dollar to tip people we're, we're taught to say please and thank you and, and be great people so to say uh, i think the messages were were always there but were we listening because maybe i heard it then but it took me 30 30 years <laughs> to, to process it because we are all just uh a work in process, you know, mm -hmm. and, and first of all, thank you for, for the kindest words um, about that. So you, you touched me, but um, I, I, I think that, yeah, it, it's, it's important that um, it's not always about winning. Um, it, it's about having fun and that may sound cheesy or corny or whatever it may be, but. Um, um, no, it isn't cheesy or corny. That's, that's the foundation. That's what we started out playing sports for it was just about the fun it was about being around the group it was about um developing relationships like i say friendships that i have to this day friendships that i don't see a person for 35 years and then i walk i phone them up and i say hey i'm going to be in town he says i'll meet you at the rink in 20 minutes you know like yeah. that type of thing without dropping you know without skipping a beat he's just meeting me there and we're chatting like we just saw each other yesterday you know i think back to the to the people and I had a lot of great role models and a lot, like I say, to give back to hockey. I don't want to slag hockey. I want to build up hockey. Um, and I want to build up people through puck support. I want to support people. I want to keep the work that we've got going on. But I think back to like the coaches that I had Dwight McMillan uh, down in Wavern. He was a thousand plus wins uh, as a, as a coach in junior, just an incredible person. Um, 
a guy that I know that uh, doesn't like Brady too much, but Lauren Mullican was my coach my uh, second <laughs> last year. Uh, but, you know, and thinking uh, at the university level, Al Murray. And uh, Al Murray has is, is become incredibly successful. Um, and he persevered. He fought perseverance. He, he stuck it out in the game. Maybe when um, people would have looked at him as, you know, not being successful in a wins and losses record, but all these guys taught perseverance and leadership and commitment to the team and, and sacrifice for the team. Be there for your teammates. I could go on. I mean, the the, the list is long of um, Dave Lynn and Darwin Bennett, Ross Mahoney, Dave Dunn. All those people contributed to uh, my to who I am today. A little story about my signing bonus when I uh, when I went to the University of Regina. Uh, Brady, do you know, have I told you this one? So my signing bonus, like like I had uh, a lot of options when I went for lunch with Al Murray for, uh, and he wanted me to go to the University of Regina. And uh, my dad, I went at lunch. It was in the summer and um, go and we have uh, lunch and he pays for it. And he, he, he even buys... Uh, he buys dessert. He buys an apple crisp a la mode. He says, have it. It's really good. I'm buying. So I'm like, okay. And then he goes, so what do you think? And I said, oh, I'll think about it. And he, like, again, like I had options, right? So I go home that day for supper. There's no cell phones. I can't phone my dad right away and say how it went and get home for supper. And, and my dad, so, so how'd it go? How'd it go? And, he, and I said, oh, good. I said, uh, we talked. And, you know, he goes, so are you going to go there? I said, I told him I'd think about it. And my dad's like, like you got a lot of options. And so anyway, I said, I said, Hey dad, have you ever had the ice cream Alamode, like the apple crisp Alamode at Gino's in Regina? And he says, no, I haven't. I said, Al bought it for me. It's really good. And my dad looks at me, no lie. That man bought you dessert. Yeah. You phone him tomorrow and you tell him that you're going to go to the university of Regina. So Apple Crisp a la mode was my signing bonus. Gordy Howe got the, the team jacket. I got Apple Crisp for my signing bonus when I went to the University of Regina. Well, sounds, like a, sounds like a sweet deal to me. Uh, <laughs> 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 but those are the stories. Like, you know, and the conversation we have here is just incredible. It's deep. Uh, like the, the questions from Alana and, and what Matthew is dealing with down there. It's We could go on and on forever and stuff like that. But again, there's so much good that this game is doing for people, and 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 we let's build that up. Let's find Hockey Canada. Give us a phone call. We are willing to get on board and be there. We'll make you better. We'll help to make the situation better because there's kids out there. We're going to help. You know, from a mental standpoint, we're going to keep them off the streets. We're going to give them a purpose. We're going to give them teammates. We're going to give them a support system, and and let's just see where we can end up. Yeah. And, and, you know, I know of four players that have just that I know of right now who went through Hockey Canada that are homeless right now, you know, struggling with addiction on the streets Four, right? So it's, I don't know, again, I don't blame hockey either. I think a lot of people saw some of the interviews and, you know, I stopped, I started to turn them down a little bit because I said what I needed to say. They wanted me to say more. And I'm like, I've said what I needed to say. I'm like, I'm not blaming hockey. I'm not blaming Hockey Canada. I'm not blaming the CHL. I, I think there was certainly some some things there that maybe contributed to my, you know, wasn't great for me because of some of the things I went through during my time there. But that's not one league's fault or whatever. The The problem is, is that this stuff's been going on for probably like close to 100 years, like where it's just developed over all these years. And so uh, where do we place the blame? We don't. We just look for solutions. And to Stuart's point, you know, I, again, there's a lot of people I think that could 
contribute to making hockey better. And I think there's people in each community that want to make hockey better. Like it doesn't have to be some guy flying in from Calgary Hockey Canada office to come, you know, make, make an impact. Like people in our own communities need to be making these impacts on a daily basis in hockey rinks, in schools, everywhere. Right. And it, it becomes a community. And I always say it's going to take an army and Stuart, why don't you talk a little bit about puck support and kind of, you know, your, your thoughts on it and bones. Uh, I'm still hoping you're going to be part of it moving forward. We haven't really touched base, but maybe Stuart can give you a, a quick update of, of where we're at with puck support and kind of where we are moving forward. Cause this is the first time I'm hearing it too, believe it or not, everyone. Well, <laughs> um, yeah, puck support. It's it, um, it's your vision, Brady. It was your, uh, and and it's become your purpose and and stuff like that. And you just take a look at the people that are getting involved and wanting to get involved, and uh, you know, from grassroots right up to you know, people that are have been in the media and in, in the game for a number of years, they see the value in it and they see what it can, what it can. It's about empowering. Um, again, it's not hockey Canada changing. It's hockey changing. It's the culture. It starts with the players. It starts with the parents it's, it, and the coaches. And we need to give them the tools. And I hope what, what puck support can do is start providing those tools to those, the young kids that, uh, one of the players on your team, you you might be able to look over at them and say, "Hey, I'm not feeling that good." And they've got going back to giving Matthew this down in Argentina to help a friend. This guy, this guy's going to be a real teammate. This person's going to be a real teammate and be able to help him. We need to provide them with the resources. Like right now, Hockey Canada is under the microscope, and and for for right reasons they they are and they need to do something about it you're telling me that in that room with eight young men and one woman there wasn't one young man that thought this is wrong there wasn't one young man there that that had a, a sister at home that you know he knew that this was wrong if this was happening to her this was wrong that he didn't have the 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 power the, the skills, the whatever, that empowered that person to say, come on, we need to leave, and walked out of that room and saved that person from so much humiliation and so much trauma. So we need to give those skills, we need to develop those skills in our young people so that the next generation is even better than we were. And the next generation after that is just going to build on top of that. So puck support and what I'm seeing, the, the, the people that we've interviewed for the board, uh, owns with your lived and your learned experience coming on board with the board of directors. Uh, my buddy Hicksy, Al Hicks, you know, and just the things that, that they've gone through. Uh, Alana McCutcheon, just some incredible people that have, have had a career of doing a bunch of uh, a great things and then want to continue doing great things in in another venue, another, uh, another arena. Hey, puck support, we're going to get in another arena. But it has to start at the grassroots and we build up. And, and we change, uh, I'm seeing these young people and, and watching their videos and stuff like that. I see coach Cal out there and, he, and he's getting in like, these kids right now. They're so excited to start going to hockey camps and to start training, you know, to tryouts and all that type of stuff. That excitement is, is infectious. And, and we, but guaranteed there's going to be one kid that that's showing up and, and they're dealing with some crap at home or they're dealing with some crap at school. And, and, you know, 
their head's not in it and they, they just don't want to be there, but they know that if they just were given a little bit of support um, and if a teammate can provide that, I think at the end of the day, that's what puck support's about is, is becoming teammates to each other and building up each other and, and improving the game. I love it. And special shout out to Susan Cook upstairs too, who's been the, the glue of puck support, the, the nonprofit now, and of course the clothing line too, because they're two separate things. Um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited, and and thank you to to you know yourself, Stuart, uh, Susan, and Alana. Especially the three of you guys have really started to you know do do the the meat of the work, and and I kind of have taken a step back, and I'm not even part of the meetings. And you know that was kind of always the goal for me was to be able to take that step back and let it kind of just happen with other people because it was never about me. I didn't care to have it done my way. As you know, Stuart, you've sat through meetings and I'm like, let's just, you know, let's figure it out together. Like I, you know, if this is the right thing and I'm, it doesn't feel right for me, well, it, that doesn't mean that it's, that it's right. Yeah. You know, and I, it took me a while, I'll be honest, to kind of get to a place I tried to do it and invite people in and, you know, have to tear it down and then rebuild it and tear it down, rebuild it. And now I think we've gotten to a place where it's like, okay, let's just lower the, that let's just lower our sights for a moment and let's just start off small and do something instead of trying to come out the gates and, and, you know, <laughs> come out guns a blazing. And, and, you know, I think, again, I say it all the time, it's going to take an army of people and like-minded organizations to do this. So it's not about pucks, just puck support. It's about, uh, about all the other great organizations that are doing this work in this space too. It's not a competition. Just like we talk about not comparing traumas or making it a competition of oh, my trauma is worse than yours or my addiction is worse than yours or your addiction is worse than mine. There's no competition. At least I know that's the case for me and, and for us here at puck support is like, if, if there's somebody or some organization that's doing some amazing work, like how can we support you and your organization so that more people can can you know get the help or get the education right it's not about like okay well we're not being involved in this or i'm not being involved in this because my name's not attached to it or we're not getting any pr right. or we're not no 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 let's we need to forget about that there's too much of that going on from what i've seen through other some organizations some are great some for conversations and research I've done, maybe not so great. It's a lot of smoke and mirrors. Oh, we're going to do this. We're going to do that. And when you really dig in, it's like, how much are they really doing? And where's all this money they're raising going? And I, so I think it's really important. I think we talk about being transparent with puck support. And again, I don't have any, I won't even be in the meetings. I'm not on the board. I don't know really anything. I'm kind of uh, in more of an advisory role, I guess, when, when you guys need me. But I'm really quite confident that we're going to do some amazing work together, the three of us and everybody else involved. I know Bones wants to talk to us about some stuff. I'm excited to uh, to to hear what he has brewing in his mind because I'm sure it's been cooking for 25 <laughs> plus years. And there's just so much good. And, and it's going to take a collection of people. I don't care what anyone says. Too many times people think, oh, I have the answers or I'm going to be the one or I want the attention or this or that. It's like, let's just strip ourselves of our egos and our own agendas as much as possible and come together so that we can actually create lasting and significant change and hopefully i have no doubt along the way we're going to save lives and i just want to get to one comment before you hop in there's a bunch coming in but i wanted to get this one early Haley minor uh watching uh the wife of former barry colt daniel minor who passed away in 2021 she says you guys are so on point with every single word hello to Haley and jack and the minor family uh down there in dunville uh, lots of love for you guys. You guys have been uh, an incredible support to me through some really tough times in your family. And 
Um, just, just love you guys, Haley. Uh, Haley and I talk not often, but but periodically, and um, you know, I, I cherish our friendship, even though it's it's through the worst kind of circumstances. Your guys' support uh, means so much to me, and I know it does to everyone at Puck Support. Fantastic. I, I think um, um, I like the part, Brady, that you mentioned about everybody com coming together because, um, again, I, I want to go back to people feeling safe, empowered, and connected. I mean, that's the most important for important thing for people coming together. And, and, and Brady, I mean, I'm so proud of you, the way you started off. I mean, I didn't know you. Remember, we got together watching you doing your first podcast in a car. I'm thinking, who's, who's this crazy kid? Then I'm on the phone with you one day, and then slowly we built in this relationship up, and then you got me playing in a stinking charity hockey game. Um, I mean, all these beautiful things come together when, when people come together. Um, and, and puck support is such a, a fabulous thing. I mean, we need to work together. I'm looking at it the way the 60s were with music. There were so many different genres and music coming together. There, there was the British invasion from the, the Beatles to the Rolling Stones to Black Sabbath to Led Zeppelin um, coming together. And why can't different um, organizations or people, I, I mean, the end goal is to save lives, you know, and I'm very fortunate to be, to be sitting here um, today because somebody was there to listen to me when, when I was, you know, down and out many years ago. Um, and, and I was blessed that people trust me with things. So, I mean, I'm involved with puck support. I mean, our good friend, um, you know, Nick Davis has started Nick Davis coaching and recovery. And it's something, um, that I'm going to be involved with in, in October. I mean, bones is a busy guy. I mean, I, I love it. I mean, I, I get up in the morning. I, I mean, I get up at four, I have to start getting up at three. I got puck support. I got to figure out what's going on with Brady, you know, where he's teaching school today. I got to check in with, with my good friend, Nick, what's going on in October. Um, and one Another thing too, it, um, it's not just people that 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 are that are suffering. There's people that get to about the second, third, and fourth, and fifth years of even in recovery that are getting to a place now where they don't know what to do. Um, so this is where my head's going with it. Not that I've stopped wanting to save people's lives, but I'm getting a lot of phone calls from people that have got a couple of years of sobriety. Now what? Now what do I do? Because um, once you go back, once you've had some sobriety and you pick up again, it can kill you because it, you go back to the same stuff you talk about, the shame game again, and whatever it may be. We used to have a saying that we may not keep you sober, but we'll ruin your buzz sort of thing. Um, so I'm looking at things, you know, Puck Support's got this going on and this is fabulous. I mean, I'm so excited that it's become a charity. And I mean, I, I wear this crest proud, proudly on my shirt. Um, our, our good friend Nick is, is, is down in Naples, Florida, getting some stuff going. He's going to be, you know, shiny and brand new with promoting his new program. And I get to come to, to work every day um, at Hope Place Centers and, and work with the beautiful people there. I think the bottom line is, you know, getting back to it, coming together and, and saving lives, but just being available for when that person knocks at the door, um, whether it, it's a friend, a loved one, whatever it may be. Um, help them remove that shame you know it's um it, it's a, it's a tough thing and why not make it as available i mean when you go fishing you talk about fishing so when we're talking about recovering saving lives why couldn't it be that natural just the way you know you're talking about fishing okay this is going on for this person you shouldn't feel shame that they're not disclosing what's going on in your life and like i said we're all works in progress there's still things that i'm still working out 
people may say, okay, 26 years of sobriety or doing this and that. I haven't got it all figured out. Trust me. You know, I didn't have it figured out today. That's why I'm sitting with my buddy tonight trying to figure some stuff out and then spending a great evening, of course, with, with, with you gentlemen. I, I want to, I just want to listen to you talk all night, both of you guys, to be honest. I'm, I'm just sitting here and I'm like, oh shit, I'm on, I'm on the show. I forgot. I'm forgot. I'm, I'm on the show. I'm not just watching something. Um, you, you mentioned like that. Two guys that are able to keep you from talking. That's 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 surprising. Two people that can stop you from it. talking. That's that, that's because he's been on the skates for eight hours today, though. He, no, he, only, he I was only on for like an hour and a bit today, but it's uh, yeah. I, I, let me tell you, I, I I've been on the ice so much lately, and like so much, like almost every day for like over a month, and. There was a day, there was a day the other day where I wasn't on the ice and I was like kind of looking forward to it because my body's a little sore being on the ice a lot. And I'm like, oh, I got a day off. Let me tell you that day came and I'm like, this sucks. Like, I want to go to the rink. Like, <laughs> I want to, I want to be on the ice. And it kind of brings me to my, my next point here, Bones. You talk about that charity game. You talk about Nick Davis. He put on a game with a fellow realtor down in Oakville. And we went down and, and played and it was for mental health and addiction, Canadian Mental Health Association. Uh, what is it? CAMH, Canadian Addiction and Mental Health Association uh, out of Oakville. And uh, Bones, I, I invited you out to play because you had, uh, you know, you had recently put the skates on again. So tell people a little bit about that experience for you. And uh, I know it wasn't easy by any means. I can just imagine I had eight years off and I'm much younger than you. And that was tough. But you didn't play hockey for a long time. And then you you decided to strap on the blades. Tell people a little bit about that experience for you and, and kind of where you're at with it now. Well, it's, it's funny. It was actually 29 years. So there's that 29 again, 29, you know, walking into the Habs dressing room, Ken Dryden hadn't, hadn't worn, was the last Hab to wear that sweater. I came in as a 19 year old, 29's there, ironically. And there, there it is again. Um, uh, 29 years since I, I had played, but I was driving by this pond every day on the way home from work. And I always said, if I played hockey again, it, it was it would be on a pond ironically. And this is beautiful, picturesque. I mean, when we think of Canada, you know, there, there's a family skating, the Canadian flag and people playing shinny hockey. So I drove by the one day, then I stopped at my parents' house and grabbed my skates one day. So I drove by it the next day. Then uh, we have sticks at uh, work and I, 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 I nicked the stick from work that the guys would play uh, ball hockey with. And then I was on my way home I was talking to my girlfriend, Kim, and I said, babe, I'm, I'm going to do it today. And she says, you go for it. So I pulled in and I went for a skate the one day. And of course, me, who's never afraid to take a selfie or a mic that he doesn't like, flashed a picture. Then the next thing you know, Bones is back playing hockey again. Then I get a call from, from my friend Brady. And uh, there I am playing, uh, you know, so he's saying getting up here because the same weekend that the, that outdoor tournament was going on. But getting out, I got to meet um nick who's a, a friend of ours and I, i've become very very close with but the biggest thing with that was the camaraderie that's what i missed in the room you know um and, and Stu was talking about that earlier about, about friends and i had so much fun that day um just being back in the dressing room i mean i was there an hour and a half early uh putting the full gear on and just getting out and just being around around the guys i mean and um uh, I mean, I was the old man there. I was 56 years old, so um, it, it, it was pretty special. And, and I've got a lot of people to, to thank for that. And Brady, you led the charge with that, so thank you. It was, uh, it and, was and, and I'll be back next year. 
it was just listen it was honestly a, a special day just being yeah. a part of seeing you back on the ice like it was a great time and and for a great cause and all of that and that's great and that was why we were there but the highlight for me i don't know why the picture is not loading i have it here but it's not loading all of the picture that you sent me the day that you went on the pond for the first time um but seeing you out there was uh incredible to know that you hadn't been on the ice in that long and there was you know, and I don't want to speak for, for you on this one, Bones, maybe you can touch on it, but I'm sure there was a little bit of resentment towards the game of hockey because, you know, our, both our careers never turned panned out quite the way we thought. And certainly you had a lot more upside and hope than I ever did uh, being a really high draft pick and having a very successful junior career and then injuries and then struggling with the addiction stuff. Uh, I know for myself, I resented the game of hockey and I swore I'd never play again. I'm like, I don't care if I ever play again. This is, that's not a part of my life anymore. So to be able to see you and and you can touch on what I just said in a minute, but to see you play and then to see you score, which I mean, come on, old habits die hard. Like, I, you had to score. Like it was, it was so awesome. That was the highlight of the day and something that I'll never forget. And it, yeah, I know it meant a lot to you, but it meant a lot to us. Uh, as well and I know Brody Kerbison's watching he was there as well and he said it was an amazing day enjoying the conversation and energy you brought to the room Bonesy because Brody was on that team that day as well but um was it was to, it to, to jump in before Bones goes off um like uh <laughs> when you talk about resentment to the game though and I think and I've seen that with a with a few people that I know that have played at a high level they they, they get that resentment to the game and when I go back to it get back to the fun. And I know for me, I didn't resent the game, but I didn't, I was went through a time where I wasn't enjoying the game. And now I love going out and playing. We've got a Sunday night group that we I go out with and it is back in the dressing room. It's back with teammates. And I look forward to Sunday night hockey and I put the skates on. And before I step on the ice, I'm on the bench. And just before I just stop and I take a look around, I'm in the hockey rink. And then you make that first step onto the, onto the ice and the ice cracks underneath your skates. And you're just like, I'm in my happy place. I am in, this is where I was meant to be. I enjoy being here, but it also allows me to come back into the rest of my life and, and function there as well. Right. To, to, deal with any stressors or to to just get away to be able to come back and talk about the exploits or or uh, bug each other in the dressing room about that missed goal or anything like that but just having those conversations and and you know it's it's incredible to be able to come back and do that and i think everybody it's i would love if everybody could come back and just get back to having fun and that outdoor rink hockey tournament uh, Bones, we're going to have tryouts. We'll see if you can make the team this year. But uh, maybe I'm thinking maybe me and Bones on the 50-plus team because I tried playing with these young guys last year, and uh, it was tough keeping up to them. So maybe me and Bones will be the elder sta statesman on the 50-plus uh, team or something like that. So when, I you're saying 50, when you're saying 50-plus, you mean like 50 goals, not 50 as in years. Oh, yeah. Of course. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Exactly. Okay. I, I I just wanted to be crystal on that. Uh, yeah. well, I don't think me and Stewart ever came close. For you and one for me. In any league, <laughs> we we never scored fifty goals in any league, Stewart. So I yeah. I don't know what Bones is talking about. Guys, As I say fifty goals between me and Bones. He's got forty nine. I got one. It's yeah. uh, yeah. I, I mean, I I don't even know where where to start with that. So um. The, let's just start with the resentment with hockey. Yeah, most definitely. Early, early in my active addiction, I, I fueled that to, to, to feed my addiction because um, 
because I wasn't ready for life after hockey. And um, I didn't know who Graham Bonner was. I didn't know I was Graham Bonner, the hockey. That's who I presented myself as. I didn't have an identity. But I mean, of course, um, most people who know my story knows years and years and years of, of working on myself um, and knowing that this isn't what I was, was supposed to do. Hockey's a part of my life. I mean, I'm very, very proud of hockey. I mean, you know, for a while I thought of my, of my hockey career as being a failure. Hell no, it wasn't a failure. I mean, a lot of great things happen. I mean, most of it is, is the friendships and the people that are in my life today. I mean, I mean, I went to training camp with, with Guy Lafleur. I was drafted by the Montreal Canadiens. I mean, I led the, the OHL in goals. Um, I was at World Junior uh, training camps, won the first OHL championship in Sue Grant Hallen's history. I mean, there's so many different things, not to, 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 uh, to feed my ego, but to play in the NHL probably wasn't the best thing for me because I would have had million dollars in the bank and that would have been more million dollars that would have been used to destroy my life. I mean, I did the work. This is what Graham Bonner is supposed to be doing today. Um, now, I, I remember somebody saying, uh, and people often say, you know, it's I don't know what type of hockey player you were, but you're a better person. I mean, those are the things that, that, that mean stuff to me. Hockey is a huge part of my life. Yes, for sure. And one of the biggest reasons that people forget that I, I stopped playing was I wanted to walk again. Okay. Um, the people who were around me knew that at the end, I mean, I had a career ending injury. So every time I went back on the ice, I was taking my, you know, just walking um, at, at risk. So to come back and play, um, I didn't want to take that, that chance that I wouldn't be able to go to the gym in the morning and do all these other things that I'm doing. So everything happened the way it was supposed to happen for Graham Bonner. The resentments Brady at one time. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I soak the, the crap out of that as much as I can. However, things are the way that, that they should be today. And um, I'll be back on the pond. I mean, a little bit slower. Um, but you know one thing, um, I'm going to score because that's <laughs> the one thing that's never going to go away. I mean, there's <laughs> if there's a four by six out there, that puck is crossing the line at least once that night. I love it. Yeah. Bones, are your hands insured at all? Like, do you did you have to insure them to for all those goals and stuff like that? Is that something? Yeah. Well, these are beautiful hands. Look I mean, at those things, they, silky mitts. Yeah, I, I, I mean, we, we we put those away at the end of the night. They go into a special compartment. <laughs> That's you, you have like a cotton glove that you wear at night, but you have to wear a cotton glove over it when you sleep and stuff. I I, I can't talk about that. Yeah, he, he's pressed. He's got the hookup from the gloves with the Stanley Cup guys. They got the cup carriers. Those are his best friends. Um, I want to say hello to uh, to one of our friends watching. Clyde Murray's watching. Says oh, love it, guys. Hey, Clyde. Got to play Clyde, with him. Highlight Clyde of Clyde. You, so. Uh, Thursdays, uh, there's a noon hour drop-in hockey, and Clyde is out there, and God bless that guy. He's seven years old, and um, he is out there up and down the ice, uh, loving his Winnipeg Jet uniform. He's out there all the time. Good Saskatchewan kid, Clyde. So uh, thanks, yeah, for, uh, thanks for watching, Clyde. I had the uh, I had the opportunity to skate alongside Clyde. I couldn't I couldn't get him a goal though. I, I that's all I wanted to do, and I just wasn't really on the ice with him that much. But wasn't for a lack of trying. He almost scored. Um, but an incredible guy, and he's got some puck support gear. He's he's sending me pictures and stuff. So thanks for the support, Clyde. And it's interesting that day, just for people watching Stuart. So that's when I was back in BC, and I stayed at Stuart's house for a time with my aunt for a time. Stayed an extra week because I just didn't, you know, I felt like there was more to do. 
But Stuart took me out. He's like, you want to go play hockey? And I'm like, yeah, for sure. Let's go. Where are we playing with? He's like, uh, the, the Abbotsford police department. And I'm like, Oh, great. <laughs> you know? So it was, uh, it was pretty awesome. And there was some other firefighters there. And of course my dad's a retired firefighter and I'd kind of been in that environment growing up, you know, the police versus the fire in the dressing room and everything else. But it was, it was, it was really it was just really neat. Right. And I had a couple of, a uh, couple of the officers email me after actually, and uh, ask for my assistance and some stuff and offer some kind words. And it was kind of surreal. Then they were chasing me around the ice, not chasing me around the street. So it was, uh, it was, it was a nice, it was a nice turnaround. So thanks for taking me out, uh, Stuart that day, but we need to talk about uh, the, the on the pond tournament, because I think Kendra Fisher is leading the way for the women's team. And, if you watch this show, I think I asked Tierney and Declan Probert to play on the women's team on the episode. If it wasn't there, it was when I was in Windsor and I don't, I can't speak for them now, but they said they wanted to come up. I, so it'd be really neat to have the Probert girls uh, come up. And Danny said she might come up too for the weekend. So we got the the women's team, uh, the competitive team. And then I think an over 35 or over 50 open, which I think, you know, would be probably suitable you know, 35 and over it's, it's recreational. I think that we'd be fine, but we got it. We've registered a few teams. I think one in every division or one in all but one. And if we need to register one more, we can do that. So we are looking to fill the rosters for those teams. Um, if anybody watching or listening thinks they want to play potentially uh, or definitely come out and support last year was just a tremendous success for so many reasons. Uh, and we threw it together kind of last minute because we didn't know it was happening. All of a sudden, I got the green light uh, due to COVID at the end of February. And uh, we we did what we did. And uh, it's a weekend that I'll never, ever forget. I'm looking at the pictures over it. So I, I can't wait to to do it all again this February. We're all registered up. Shout out to Rob Carlton from On the Pond who uh, who puts it on. And it was just super kind to all of us. Team Puck support, he really embraced it. And just a, a weekend uh, that you'll never ever forget if you're a part of if you're if you love hockey uh, in any aspect and you walk out to and you see lake muskoka and you see like 20 something outdoor rinks on the lake and like there was like i think at the opening ceremonies there was like 800 people on the on the rinks like oh there was 800 hockey players registered in that outdoor tournament it was just a sight to a sight to see and obviously we were there to play for for the hockey players that have lost their lives to suicide or overdose as uh Stu alluded to earlier uh quickly clyde says thank you for such an honorable mention super work you were doing thanks clyde um anyways guys i think maybe tournament i just like when you're saying you just threw a team in some of the best times the best events are just they just happen organically and the way that that came together with the minor family coming up and and getting to meet zach and and brody and brady and 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 everybody on the team and then susan posted on facebook just a couple of days ago that picture and it's just somebody sitting it's a pair of hockey skates i don't know where it was but susan cook posted the other day i'm thinking oh man it's only like seven more months and we're going to be back out there on the ice again but uh, yeah, it was an incredible tournament. Very well done. Um, to shout out to on the pond and, and what they're doing. Uh, yeah, it just came together organically, and it just happened. And I just look like next year it's just going to be bigger and better. And and that women's team, uh, you know, put Kendra out there with a couple of Probert girls and stuff like that, and look out. Maybe bring out uh, a couple more of them uh, of the the women that are following um, on, on puck support, I've been seeing some of their videos and stuff like that. I Just know. some incredible stuff going on. And, and yeah, we're going to, we're going to rule the ranks. 
I can't wait. I think I think we'll leave it here, guys. We've been going almost two hours, but I'd love to oh. to do it again down the road unless anyone has any final thoughts. Does anybody have any final thoughts for us? One thing I want to say. I want to shout out to my daughter. It's her 24th birthday today, right. Peyton. Um, incredible woman that she's become. Um, a shout out to my youngest daughter, Tobin, who got her full driver's license today. Uh, congratulations to her. And a shout out to my beautiful wife uh, and all the work that she's done. And um, without her, I don't know where, where I'd be. Amen. I, I I love Allie. She's an incredible lady. And happy birthday to Peyton. And uh, I saw the picture you posted of the, the new family. Yeah. Pretty that grandpa is a pretty good thing. Bones, you know about that. You got a couple of, uh, you got twin grandchildren? I got twins, McKinley and Mason. Yes, three and a half. Um, coming up on actually four. They're going to be playing hockey this year. Oh, yeah. Let's yeah, go. Yeah, they're ready to go. They're uh, up, in, up in the Sioux. So I, I think it's going to snow next weekend. So, th so the St. Mary's River will be frozen. Uh, they'll be scoring goals by September. No, just uh, no. Chantel, my beautiful daughter, said that they're they're going to be on on the steel coming uh, this this season. So I'm awesome. incredibly I'm incredibly incredibly blessed. So it was. Uh, listen, it, it it was great tonight, guys. I couldn't believe when I looked down and it, it was almost two hours. We touched an awful lot of stuff, and we could go on forever. But I liked the way we went in different directions too. So Brady, thanks thanks for the invite, uh, Stu. It, it was great. Uh, getting a, a better opportunity to know you a little bit, a little bit more too. Um, we'll see you in a couple of weeks. Yeah. I'll see it. See it. Yeah. I'll, I'll be in Richmond um, on the 10th, September 10th to the 17th. And then uh, Victoria. See, I told uh, you guys, I don't know what the hell's going on. <laughs> but, but the funny thing is, is um, I'm going to miss out on the man cup. You guys know what a, a big lacrosse mm. fan I am, but now that they hesitated victoria lost so i was thrilled to be going to victoria um but i'm going to miss out on the man cup because it's in on, on ontario so um i don't know i'm just starting to ramble now it's way past my bedtime I, i'm getting up and i'm getting up in another hour and a half to start uh, start my day i have to to keep up with everything that's going on that's right well that's a good thing man you got a lot of good stuff going on and uh, i can't wait to see where the three of us can can work together and also outside of you know our maybe our this trifecta and, and just to see how we're all gonna you know contribute to being a part of the solution for for all this stuff moving forward and um just greatly appreciate both of you guys uh, on a personal level uh your friendship your support your love means so much to me and of course uh for coming on here and, and sharing both of you guys shared so openly and honestly and uh i'm proud of you guys because there was a time when none of us would have been able to do any of that and here we are three uh, three grown men uh, sharing and talking. And uh, I know that you know, I think we've, you know, I can speak that I've, I've cried, I think in front of both you guys at different times or on the phones or, or shared and, and, and vice versa. So um, when you get three grown men and, and hockey players, high level hockey players who are supposed to be bigger and tougher and larger than life. And here we are talking about our problems being vulnerable and, and, just putting it out there. I think that's where this really can have a significant impact. So thank you to you guys uh, so much for your time here tonight. And I can't wait to do this again and can't wait to see both of you guys soon, but it sounds like you guys will see each other before I'll see either one of you. So, so if, if anything, I mean, if you're going to choose anything tomorrow, choose kindness. Ooh, yes, yes, yes. On that note, we'll leave. Two minutes thank for looking guys. so good. <laughs>
Okay, love you, boys. Thanks so much. We'll chat here soon. That is Stuart Smith and Graham Bonner. Thank you, guys. You guys were fantastic. I love this. I just got to sit there and take it all in. Like Stuart said, it was like a therapy session. And the show has been that for me. And hopefully in some capacity, uh, at some point in time, if you've watched or listened listen to this show, it's it's been that for you. Um, that was the goal, was, was to just help one person. And tonight, I can say that this show, that one person had helped for sure was me. <laughs> um, selfishly saying that, but I'm, I'm sure that it resonated with, with all of you as well. Uh, we'll be back here to wrap up the show real quick, but not before we hear from the great people over at Pride Tape voiceover by Steve Buckley down there in Oregon. Thank you, Steve. Pocket of Hell and Back is brought to you by Pride Tape. Pride Tape is a badge of support from teammates, coaches, parents, and pros to young LGBTQ players. It shows every player that they belong playing the sport they love and that we're all on the same team. Show your support for teammates, coaches, and fans in the LGBTQ community by wrapping your stick with Pride Tape. Every roll of tape will make an impact in sports and beyond. Inclusion starts with leadership. Check out some of the ideas of how you can get involved at youcanplayproject.org. Check out Pride Tape at pridetape.com. For more information, you can send an email to aubrey at pridetape.com. That's A-U-B-R-E-E, aubrey at pridetape.com. You can find Pride Tape on facebook.com slash pridetape, on Twitter at pridetape, and at pridetape on Instagram. Pride Tape thanks all of you for being champions for change. Thank you to the great people at Pride Tape for all their work uh, in, in this space, not just in hockey, but beyond. And of course, for all their continued support of, of myself, Hockey to Hell and Back, and Puck Support. You guys uh, become great friends, especially Dean and Jeff over there at Pride Tape. And I just want to say once again, good luck to Andrew, Dean's son, who is looking to make his Western Hockey League debut with the Everett Silvertips. So good luck to Andrew. If anyone is in Muskoka, Gravenhurst specifically, on September the 10th, uh, I'm going to be playing in the Movember game versus the Maple Leafs alumni, uh, Wendell Clark, uh, Matt Martin, uh, a bunch of other guys as well that all played on the Leafs, and I'll be playing for Team Movember Canada, which uh, which is a great honor for me. Todd Minerson, friend of the show, friend of mine, he is the executive director uh, for Movember Canada, reached out to me, and it just so happens that it's in Gravenhurst. So uh, pretty cool. Uh, experience uh, again like Graham talked about gifts from the sky literally just fall when when things are aligned and we're being honest and doing the right things and and leading with kindness as Graham say it, as Graham says I want to say hello to Elaine Sturk and her partner Doug they've been a great support to me a great help uh, to, to puck support throughout the community in the PJHL uh, which is the Junior C League out here in Ontario that has 62 teams uh, she does a lot of work uh, in the mental health space and has been fighting uh, for seven or eight years to bring this stuff to light to get people to pay attention to it way before it was trendy she is a mental health nurse and just an incredible incredible woman and uh, all her hard work is paying off and uh, she's gotten some amazing news um, 
maybe she can share it in the chat because I don't want to be the one to break news, but all her hard work has paid off. That's all I'm going to say. And her partner, Doug, is feeling better. Shout out to Doug. Love you guys. Um, you guys were also at the four-on-four tournament, and I'm sure you'll be at the next one in February. Anyways, that's that's it for me tonight. I'm not going to lie. I'm exhausted. I'm not going to say anything to end this show that was better than what Stuart or Graham said, and I know that. So I'm going to leave you guys with the final discussion that we had. We should be back next Monday. I apologize. Uh, I was on the road last week in Morrisburg at Matt Thompson's house, got to meet his little baby Kylie, hang out with his fiance Christina, and of course, got to run a hockey camp with him, which was honestly unbelievable. Uh, just to be on the ice, to think about where where we met, how we met through this podcast, through the first or second episode of the podcast, through the story of Matthew Lazinski, and that was where the idea of puck support kind of was started through Matthew Lazinski and Mitch Fadden. And Matt was the first one that I said, yo, we got to do something. So he is the co-founder. He doesn't have any direct involvement in puck support at the moment, but the door is always open for, for Matt to be a part of it because he is the co-founder. Um, and, and to be on the ice and to see the friendship that we've developed, we're like brothers. He's, you know, I, I say that likely never going to get married but if i was getting married tomorrow he'd be the best man in my wedding there's no question about it and i've only known him for two and a half years or so and it started right here on this podcast again under some very unfortunate circumstances because he was best friends with matthew lazinski and and he identified listening to my story with matthew and shared that matthew was no longer here uh, but through that you know we've been able to to create a network of people that want to be part of the solution, a network of people who have lost loved ones who want to be a part of the solution, people with lived experience. And I think maybe most of all, we've we've really been able to open some eyes to people who maybe weren't paying attention to this stuff or thought that it wasn't, wasn't on them. Oh, that's not my problem. I don't really care. But using hockey as the vehicle, I have great hope that we're going we're gonna to ignite and create lasting and significant change we're going to impact a lot of lives we're going to save a lot of lives but i'll say it one more time it's going to take an army there's no question there's absolutely no question so we're all in this together let's all do our part if you think you can't do anything i'm here to say you're wrong i challenge everybody to do their part whatever that is there's so many ways just educate yourself show compassion as bone said show kindness until next monday take care of each other be grateful and always make it a great day if you so choose. Hockey was my life, rookie of the year. Swift as a Bronco, they stopped at my gear. That's the pain when it's insane, yearning for that buzz. Twelve your journey through the depths of hell. Criminal fentanyl, I struggled, I fell. Abused, confused, as the shadow of who I once was. Can't sleep, rest this week. Don't go, not a remedy. I need to get my life.
Oh, 